the Gospel of John, we finally, after uh, all these years, I guess we've been in here for almost three years now, we've made it to chapter 17, and so I hope that it's been an encouragement and a blessing. As you're turning there, I I forgot or neglected to mention tonight... After the evening service, we're going to be having a business meeting. And so please be here. Remember, we've got two things on the agenda. And uh, so if you uh, don't mind, plan on being here if you can. And I know that that'll be uh, an encouragement and a blessing to you as our business meetings often are. Some churches I know... Uh, when they talk business meeting, it's, they kind of tiptoe up to it. Amen. They get real, real nervous. I'm just grateful that God has given us a church that's unified in Christ and in His doctrine. And uh, I, I, I'm not the one that makes all the decisions here. Amen. I'm the under-shepherd. We, we follow the leading of the Lord, always run it by the deacons. And sometimes we talk to the men, depending on how great the situation is. But I'm just excited. And it's not a bad business meeting. I don't know that we've even had a bad business meeting since I've been here. Amen. And that's a blessing and an encouragement uh, that we're committed to the Word. Well, we're in John 17 this morning and we're looking at the Lord's Prayer. Now remember, we, dis- we discovered last week, uh, this isn't the typical Lord's Prayer, Our Father with art in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We looked at that, uh, which is over in uh, two different Gospels we see. Uh, that Lord's Prayer that is mentioned, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, being the prominent one that we've talked about before, and uh, how very Jewish that prayer is, actually, in its context. A very Jewish prayer, that kingdom that they're praying for, that physical kingdom that, that Jesus is bringing. Amen? And He will rule and reign from one day. But this Lord's Prayer that we're looking at isn't a prayer where He told His disciples to pray after Me. Instead, this is the prayer after He had... Uh, Uh, taught the disciples of the Lord's table and we see that transition starting to take shape in the final hours of Jesus' earthly ministry and then from that transition from uh, uh, the Last Supper to the garden we see Him teaching His disciples here in this Gospel of John 14, 15, and 16 primarily 15 and 16 where He teaches the disciples some of the final things that He would teach them while in His physical role here uh, on earth. And then in chapter 17, we see this prayer. So verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. And remember, we looked at that hour, and that is the hour of His death that He was talking about, that He foretold all throughout His ministry. And even up to the point where they arrested Him, the disciples still didn't believe He was going to be arrested and die. They, they, They didn't believe it. And so it's important that we recognize Jesus knew exactly what He was coming to do. And here in chapter 17, we see this final prayer that Jesus prays for His followers before His death, burial, and resurrection. And we want to model our prayer after the Lord's Prayer. We want to see what Jesus prayed for us as His followers. And that's what we want to pray for ourselves and for one another. Amen? And we went through the first two points last Sunday. And uh, we've got three more to go. We'll see as time allows uh, if we'll finish this this morning. But this morning, I want us to start in verse number 13. And we're going to read down to verse number uh, 19. If you'll stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God... John chapter 17, verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we're grateful for the opportunities we have to study your word together. We are so grateful that there is not a friend that sticks any closer than your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that when we are filled with care and we are anxious and stressed and discouraged, we can come before the mercy seat and lay it all on You. Heavenly Father, we pray now that You'll be with us as we study. Manifest Your truth from Your Scripture in a real way this morning. Help us to be able to take and apply it to our hearts to change us into something that You would have us to be. Lord, I pray that You would help me not to preach my own opinion. Help me to be faithful just to share this book. Help us to become more like Your Son every day. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the Word of God. If you'll remember, last week we went through the first two parts of the prayer in verses 1 through 10. Look with me at uh, verse... Let's look at verse uh, verse 2. Verse 2... As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. And so we went through this passage, verses 1 through 10, and we saw the first part of the prayer was the knowledge of God's glory. The knowledge of God's glory. That's what Jesus prayed for His followers. That they would know the glory of God. And remember verse 3, our text. This is life eternal. So where do we find eternal life? That they might know thee. It's in the knowledge of God. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's where eternal life comes from. That knowledge of God's glory. And then the second thing we looked at last Sunday night was the complete unification of the believer. Look at verse number 11. Verse number 11. Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am come to thee, Holy Father, and keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be what? One as we are. And we studied out the complete, and that word complete giving us that that biblical definition of perfection is complete. Amen. It's not absent of error, because as flesh we will never be absent from error, but we are complete in Christ Jesus. Amen. There is no divide or schism in the body of Christ that would separate us from God. Amen? And so that complete, that perfect unification, and we looked at how we are to be unified in Christ and in His Word. That's how we're to be unified as believers. Now, number three this morning, we see verse 13. Now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled 
in themselves. The third thing that we see Jesus prayed for was that their joy would be fulfilled by Christ. The joy would be fulfilled. Looking back at the words of Christ, turn to John chapter 15, just a few chapters over. John chapter 15, and we spent some time here. Remember in chapters 15 and 16, we see three times where Jesus makes the statement, These things have I spoken. These things have I spoken. And He's telling them the reason why He taught them these things. And just this is a little bit, this point will be a little bit of a review for us, but repetition is the key to learning. Amen. That's how we learn. We have to keep showing ourselves. We have to repeat. And so that's why Scripture memorization, what do they say? you got to memorize. you got to keep going back and reading it, going back and reading it, going back and reading it. Repetition is the key to learning. So I don't want this to become something that we go, oh, we're talking about the joy of the Lord. We just talked about this a month ago. Because this joy is fleeting in a lot of our lives as Christians. And I mean that on the broad scale of Christianity. We do not have the joy that has been fought and given to us. We don't have it. Now, I'm careful not to use the word experience because joy is not an experience. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness can come and go. Amen? I'm happy when my tax refund comes in. Amen? I am unhappy when that same day I pay it to a debtor. Or, or to, a, to, to something. I am unhappy at the same time. Amen? So my happiness is there for a moment. And some of you are thinking, what's a tax refund? Amen? So for some of you, it's the opposite. I'm happy when I earn money, but I am unhappy when I have to give it to the government. Amen? So so on both sides, happiness can come and go. Joy is everlasting. Joy is more than an experience. It is a truth. And I want us to understand that. So here, back in John 15, just by way of review, very briefly, verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you. What things are those? Well, verses 1 through 10, He tells the disciples how they can be fruitful. And how are they to be fruitful? By abiding in the vine. By abiding in Jesus Christ. The fruit that we bear is not of our own selves. It can only come from abiding. That word abiding meaning living. That dwelling place when we abide. Uh, Our home is our abode. Amen? That's where we abide. Now for some people it's work. We abide at work. Amen? It seems like we're there all the time. Might as well get a cot in the back because we're there all the time. Amen? But that's where our our abode, where we rest, where we dwell. And we studied that out. And the only way we can be fruitful in this Christian life is if we're dwelling in Christ, if we're abiding in Him. And so verse number 11, these things, abiding in Him so that we may be fruitful, have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So looking back here, we now, we now see not only Jesus teaching the disciples of fruitfulness for the purpose of joy, but He's praying to the Father that the joy of His followers would be fulfilled where? In Him. His joy would be fulfilled in the followers. I want us to notice something. Remember the joy of Christ. It's not an emotion. It's a truth. And where is that joy found? Two places this morning just by way of review to help us out. Turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Verse 
Psalm 16 and verse number 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy what? Presence is fullness of what? Joy. So where is the joy found? In the presence of God. You want to know why so many Christians don't know the joy of Christ? Because they don't abide in His presence. They don't dwell in Him. Their life is so inundated with distractions that, that they're just doing what the rest of the world is doing and trying to survive. i got to make a living. I'm trying to, to, to raise my kids in, in an environment where they turn out normal. Amen? Where they turn out normal. Where they turn out halfway decent. You've got television that's against them. You've got radio that's against them. You've got the school system seemingly against them at times. You've got their peers that are against This world wants my children to fail. And they want me to fail as well. And all of this can be distractions. We wake up in the morning and the first thought on our mind is what our list is for the day. Or if you're like me, the first thought is, how do I get that coffee made real quick? Amen? And then I go over my list for the day. This is what I need to accomplish. This is what I need to do. And I can't tell you how many times, even as a pastor, I've made my list and I start to work through my list and I start to check mark things mentally. And the next thing I know, it's 6 and 7 o'clock at night and I haven't spent any time with Christ. And then I become anxious and I become worried and I become stressed. And it's as if someone has robbed me of my joy. Why? Because I've not dwelt in His presence that day. Isn't it amazing? I challenge you, do this. If you're not in the habit of reading your Bible first thing in the morning, just reading some Scripture, I challenge you. I challenge you. Read. Just, just do some Scripture reading. Amen. As we've always said, you know, take a pro- if, you're new, if you're new to Scripture reading, start with Proverbs. Proverb a day. Amen. Today's the 15th, read Proverbs 15. I don't have time to read all of it. Well, then skim through, read a verse. Try to read something, amen? Better to read something than nothing, all right? So let's try to read something and then see how your day goes. Now, now listen, let let me go ahead and side note this for you. That does not mean you will have a perfect day, amen? You're not going to read Proverbs 15 and go skipping and whistling into work and all of a sudden the boss says, I need to see you. And you skip into the boss's office and they say, well done, you got a raise. And you skip out of the boss's office. It's not how reading the Bible works. Amen? But what it will do is when the world starts to attack and when all of the stresses start to come in, do you know what happens? For some reason, you're going to be the one that just has peace. You just have a peace about it. And you can't help but have some joy in your life. Why? Because you dwelt in the presence of God. And so you were prepared. Why? Because you started your day dwelling in His presence. You know what happens often? You start your day, and here I promise you this will happen. Now you're going to have days where this is not the norm. You're going to have days where you try to read, and the second you sit down to try to read a verse, here comes the little one pulling at you. Amen? And you're trying to read it, and you're trying to be loving, and you're trying not to backhand them again, because that would, you know, I'm trying to not build, you know what I mean? I'm trying to not get that far. But 
there's going to be some distractions. It's going to be just a stressor. Why? Because this world and the spirit of Antichrist that already is does not want you abiding in Christ. He doesn't want you to know the joy of Christ. Why do you think it is easy for people... To, here, here's a terrible... And I try not to do this. I've tried because I have pastor friends that, that they're not having service, they're streaming and things of that nature. And that's fine. That's more, I'm not judging. We're, listen, let me help you with something just in case you were one. We're not better because we're here. Can I help you with that? You're not a better Christian because you came to church and someone else that you know didn't go to church because they streamed it and they sat in their PJs and drank coffee. Let me just be 100% honest with you. If I could have streamed it, I might have if I knew I could just sit and just put on a coat and shirt and tie and left my, my, short, my, my pajama shorts on and done the... Amen? But what kind of precedent are we setting? That we're giving in to the fear of something that God's in control over. Again, there's a difference between precaution and fear. And you know why most people live in fear? Because they don't know the joy of Christ. There's something about coming together. I remember several years ago we had men's Bible study and we tried to do that. And uh, uh, we went through a little time where we looked at the steps of a good man and we met together. I think it was on Thursdays, wasn't it? Uh, Thursday nights we tried to meet together and went through that study together. And I remember Brother Royce, very, I remember it sticks out to me because I always think about this when we talk about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, being there with other Christians. And uh, I, I just asked him, hey, Brother Royce, how you doing? You know, I, I don't think I'd been here maybe six, eight months at the time. You know, and uh, as a new pastor, you're always trying to stay excited. You can't show that you're discouraged. You know, you gotta gotta always be up. You know, not about to quit. You don't want anybody to think that, amen. And uh, Brother Royce is just, you know, and he was just honest with me. He says, "It's just been a rough day." I said, oh, the Lord's in control. And then I remember, I, I watched, and, and I, I can't remember if it was right before or right after he'd made the comment about how he just felt so much better being with other men of God. Other men that wanted to abide together in the Word. Isn't it amazing what that will do for you? Abiding, dwelling, resting. Remember that abiding has with it the principle of resting. Why is our home our home? Why is it our abode? Because it's where we rest. Brother Chris and I were talking yesterday, went over and got Ben's hair cut and got, got my, what little bit of hair I had left shaved back down so I didn't have little strings, amen, going everywhere. And uh, we were talking about how you go to somebody's house and, you know, they've cleaned it and they've, they've got everything tossed up and put up and put away. And then you get over and it's immaculate. And then what does that person typically say? Well, I, it's, it's, it's a mess. I'm sorry. You know, but they've been cleaning all day, but it looks immaculate. Amen. That's about the only time our home is really ever put together like that. For the most part, our home is our place where we what? We rest. We put on our pajamas. We walk around and drink water and coffee and we wear our glasses and we don't care how our hair looks and we, we try to train up our children and we, we try to relax. Yes, there's work to be done around the home, but that's our place of rest because at night we go lay our head down on our comfortable pillows and we try to rest. That's what, it, that's what makes it our abode. and That's what we're supposed to be doing in Christ. Abiding in Him. Resting in Him. 
when we come to this book, we're looking for answers for the purpose of having the presence, that presence of Christ in our life so that we can know, not experience, because joy is not an experience, joy is not an emotion, but rather it is a scriptural truth. It is a knowledge. It is a matter of fact. So it's not so we can experience joy. It's so that we can be reminded, oh yes, I serve a risen Savior. And I can rest in Him. That's what joy does. That's what abiding in His presence does. And what did Jesus pray for back in John 17? And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. Defined as the passion, or uh, rather, uh, well, let's, let's move on. I don't want to get bogged down, amen, although I'm having a good time talking about the joy of the Lord, amen. The joy that we can have as Christians is found in the presence of God. But one other place I want us to see where we can find joy, look at 1 Peter 4. We don't often think of this area. First Peter chapter 4, turn there with me and look at it. A lot of times we don't associate things like we're going to look at in 1 Peter with joy. 1 Peter 4, look at verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God, what's that word? Resteth upon you. Now that's significant, hang on to that. On their part, he is evil spoken of. How many of you have ever heard someone say, how could a loving God? How could a loving God? If God is so loving, then why do we have this threat of virus? Amen? If God is so loving, how could whatever? How could my great-grandma, who was a saint and never did anything wrong, die early? You see what I mean? Notice what the Scripture says. On their part, He is evil spoken of. That's what they'll say. But on your part, He is glorified. Now we'll get to that glorification in just a moment. Let's continue reading. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. That's a whole message in and of itself. Amen. We could call that mind your business. Amen. That's what we could call that. We tell our girls when they come in, you know, tend to your own knitting. Amen. You worry about you. You just focus on what you're doing. You don't worry about Juliet spitting in her hands and running them down the window. I promise you, Mom's already about to take to her. All right. I don't need you coming and telling me. All right. Tend to your own knitting. That that was for free. As a side note. All right. Had nothing to do with what we're talking about. I won't charge you for that this morning. Amen. Yet, verse 16, that was a joke. You know I don't charge you. Amen. All right. Good. Yet, if any man suffer, there's that word, suffer, as a what? Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him what? Glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come, notice, the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now that, wow, amen? And that was back 2,000 years ago, amen? 
The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. That commitment of their souls is our goal. The commitment of, of their souls. Look, the lost needs someone to be committed to telling them that their soul is bound for everlasting fire. And the Christians need someone to be constantly reminding them that their soul is saved forever, but needs to be fruitful and reproducing in the cause of Christ. Now notice, if ye be reproached, this is back in verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, what's that word? Happy. Now there's a lot of other passages we could look at. And remember, happiness is the joy, or rather is the emotion that is the result of the fact of joy. Because when you're down and discouraged and you're abiding in the presence of Christ, even during time of mourning, when you are looking at who Christ is and what He has done for you, you cannot help but just have a little bit of happiness. Because even though I'm going through this, it could be so much worse if it weren't for our loving Savior Jesus Christ. Happiness is the result. And notice where we have happiness if we're reproached for the name of Christ. So where do we experience joy? Or rather, not experience, but rather where do we find joy? In the presence of God. And how is that shown? Where else should we show forth that joy and recognize that joy? In tribulations. In hardships. In times of fear. For what purpose? For their souls. Do you know what the whole world's doing right now? They're going crazy. They're going nuts. I've never, hey, I, I, hey can I, let me just help you with something. And I'm trying not to be facetious or make light. But I promise you, there's going to be plenty of toilet paper. Amen. I promise you that. I promise. And if not, Brother Lance had a great idea, Brother Grant. He was telling me, he said, you know, back when I was younger where we were, we, you know, we had rags. Amen. <laughs> kind of like the reusable diapers. There's always an option, all right? And I'm not trying to be crude or anything. I'm just trying to make us to understand. But the world's gone crazy. And you know what they need? A voice of reason. You know what they need? Someone who will stand firm and say, you know, I know this is scary. And I know that this may seem like the end. And I know that you're worried and I know that you're fearful. But friend, let me introduce you to the one who's in control of all of it. Let me introduce you to the man named Jesus who came and He died so that you could have eternal salvation. Do you see the opportunity that we have? I heard one political commentator state, and honestly, I probably should just quit watching the news at this point. That's probably half the reason why my hair's thinning out. Amen. I heard someone say you should take a news sabbatical. Just don't watch any news but your local news, and only at 7 o'clock when it originally used to come on. Amen. And then don't get on Facebook. Do that for 48 hours and see how anxious you actually are in life. Amen? Now, I know some of you are looking down on me right now because you're going, 
I don't have Facebook. Amen. But you got Fox News on a 24-hour cycle everywhere you go. So don't look at me like a calf at a new gate. We're all the same way. All right? We're in this together. Okay? But what an opportunity. There was a political commentator that said, this is not a find the opportunity in the destructiveness. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. We have a wonderful opportunity. But it's not to show people that our candidate is better than their candidate. It's to show that our God is better than their God. It's to show that our Father is better than their Father, their false God. And it's giving us opportunity. So here's the question, are we seizing upon that? Or are we so inundated with fear and anxiety that we have not spent time in the presence of God and we wonder where our joy is gone? Spurgeon preached to the miserable in two senses. And what he meant when he said the miserables, he meant humanity. Saved and unsaved. Amen. To the despondent believer, he would shepherd them by saying, Bear your sorrows bravely, for they are appointed of your heavenly Father in supreme wisdom. What a profound statement. Have you ever stopped to recognize that what you're going through, if you're a Christian, God knows about and God ordered your life in that way? Why shouldn't we trust in Him? Why shouldn't we trust? He goes on to say the goodness of God enabled His people to bear them joyfully, knowing that the peaceable fruits of righteousness would be the result. Spurgeon encouraged those in the desert of discipleship with truth that though the experience of union would wax and wane, its vital reality would remain the same. Understanding the fellowship that we have with the Father and the joy that comes from that. But to the lost, Spurgeon earnestly heralded the gospel. He fervently prayed that his proclamations of Christ would drive sinners to look to Christ and be saved. Even while he was weighed down by the burden of unregenerate sinners, he counted it a joy to deal today with lost souls who are not yet hopelessly lost. To deal today with lost souls. Do you want to know those that are hopelessly lost? They're the ones that have already died in their sins. But the sinner that is still living and breathing today, they're not hopelessly lost. There's opportunity for them to know Christ. But how can they know if we're not abiding in His joy? How can they know if we're not living, dwelling, resting in the joy? Notice verse 14, John 17. We're almost done. We'll work on point number four tonight. Amen. I have given them thy word. Whose word did Jesus give us? The Father's. You know what's interesting is to see the work of the Trinity in the Word of God. God gave the word to Jesus. Jesus spoke, proclaimed, gave that word that He got from the Father. And the Holy Spirit points us back to that word. That's the work of the Trinity. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Friend, all the pressures, all the fears, all the worry, all the anxiety, it's nothing. It's nothing. Nothing compared to the glory of God. I believe it was the Apostle Paul in Romans 
that says that I reckon that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with what He has in store for us in glory. So if that means we got to go out of our way during this time when people are scared and share the gospel in some way, shape, or form, then we need to do so. We need to do so. And we need to do so recognizing and understanding that our joy is not found in the peace and safety of some government body. Our joy is found in Christ and in His presence. That He gave His life for us to be able to enjoy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As Miss Karen comes and prepares, just if she would please to play.